Glad you could join us on this Tuesday. Is this Fivio or is this uh, somebody who is uh, just using the same beats as Fivio for him? Uh, kind of close, but it's CJ Whoopty, so they don't have the same beat. But you know, all this drill music sounds alike. Whoopty. That little woom woom. That's used in plenty of the different uh, songs. Yeah. This thing, this song was huge a couple of years, about a year and a half ago. A lot of it just sounds the same now. It I know does. I sound like the old guy, but. So am I not to eat granola around you anymore? Is it just a bag? Is it the crunch? Because I put it away during the break. You made me self-conscious about my <laughs> granola. I got a snack during the show, just so you know. That's going to happen. Yeah. Um, need a snack at 4 o'clock. It's a big building. <laughs> so I have to leave the a lot, room? A lot of places you could have I have to leave the studio to have a snack? <laughs> no. No, eat it in the, the bathroom. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to begrudgingly listen to you. Again, I know it's a me thing. I could put it in a different bag. If it's the rustling of the bag that bothers you, bag, I, could, the, I could put it in a different bag. The bag was a little weird. Okay, I'll put it in a small sandwich bag. It's It'll fine. be less quiet. It's fine. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Sasha Vizenkov. Uh We've had a lot of optimism about Sasha the last six weeks or so. Uh, talking about him coming here to Sacramento and, and being a piece of the puzzle. Not, you know, the largest piece of the puzzle, but a piece of the puzzle to help this team improve from 48 wins in the third seed in the Western Conference this past season. Uh, and then we got some uh, updates about Vizenkov, and it sounded like all things were a go. We heard the very reputable, very credible Sean Cunningham, I believe, say, you know, somewhere around 90% he felt like Vizenkov would be a king. And that could still be the case. But today, we got something very interesting. This is the uh, Urbonos podcast from Donatus Urbonas and Augustus Suliauskas. And uh, here is them. Uh, here are them both discussing Vizankov's decision whether or not he's going to come to the U.S. Vizankov, at first, it was almost clear that he's for sure done with Olympiakos. But for instance, in the recent days, I heard that the situation is changing a little bit, and it's not clear yet if he's really going there because it takes a lot of different questions. For instance, his NBA buyout. Uh, his potential salary in the NBA. If he's not in getting, if he's not getting like, I know, uh, four or five million net in the NBA, which means almost ten million, 10 million contract. Uh, basically, for him, this is not the best business decision to to go overseas because also we have to pay the one point five million buyout. Okay, NBA uh, team uh, covers half of it, but then you have to pay from your own pocket. So. It, it might be difficult for him to, to go over there because Sacramento also, they have to do and plan their off-season moves and then to check the salary cap for potential Vizenkov's contract. All right, so the earlier conversations we've had about Vizenkov had him around five, six million. Now we're talking 10 million. We're talking double that. Almost the entire mid-level exception if that's what you were planning on using to bring Vizenkov over. Rami, would you pay Sasha Vizenkov $10 million a year to be a king? That's probably not. I, I, won't, I, I won't rule it out outright, but probably not, Nick, because when I saw that number, I, I went to the list of NBA free agents that are, that are going to hit the market this year, and I started making comparisons of other guys that are in that $10 to $12 million range or – Maybe a couple of guys that you could use the mid-level exception on between the two of them, adding up to to the twelve million dollars that they have to spend there. And man, you look at at some of the names of some of the guys that 
that could be out there this year for anywhere between six and ten million dollars, Nick, or yeah. six and twelve million dollars. And you're talking about Jordan Clarkson, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma in the twelve million dollar range. In the ten million dollar range, you're looking at guys like uh, a Jay Crowder, a Victor Oladipo, Dario Saric. If you want to go down to six million dollars and, and around there, you got the Bruce Browns and the Danilo Gar- Gallinari's of the world. Like you could get at least one player who is more of a known commodity than Sasha Vizankov is. If you want to spend 10 or $12 million on just one guy in free agency this year, or you could get two or three guys with that 10 or $12 million possibly that are going to do more collectively and bring more to this roster and fill more holes on this roster than, than Sasha Vizankov can single-handedly. I would think about it, just because of the the promise of the future with Sasha Vizankov, most of these guys that I'm talking about, they kind of are what they are at this point in their careers in the league, in the NBA, and, and what they're capable of. We know who they are, and it's probably not going to get much better. With Vizankov, I think that there is the potential, the possibility at his age with his skill set that he gets here. And while he might not be able to give you as much as some of these guys that I listed off can give you right off the bat, what he can bring to this core of, of players down the line is intriguing to me and would make me consider it. But I think I'm leaning no at that price tag, Nick. I don't know about you. I think it's uh, it's not crazy to think about nine, ten million for Fazekov when you think about the cap is going to go up. And I think beginning next year, it's going to go up pretty significantly. So a $10 million per year contract you know, over the next three, four years is not necessarily what a $10 million contract was three or four years ago, if that makes sense. I actually looked at the contracts currently, Rami, in the NBA and, and kind of what type of player is making this money. And there's there's one guy on the Kings right now that's hovering around $10 million, and that's Malik Monk. Malik Monk makes about $9.8 million. Bobby Portis is somewhere around the $10 million range. THT is somewhere in the $10 million range. So I don't think it's crazy when you look at some of those players. If you look at Vizankov and you try to project him to be mostly an offensive guy who can knock down threes, and we've talked about his game, he could be almost the forward version of Malik Monk, so to speak. So $10 million isn't bananas. We've equated... Vizankov, due to some of these write-ups that we've seen, to Bielitsa. And so I looked up what Bielitsa made. Bielitsa, his contract was about $7 million a year back in 2018. So that's five years ago. So if we think he's close to who Bielitsa was, then again, $9, $10 million five years after Bielitsa signed for about seven is not outrageous. I think the biggest thing is the domino effect here. It's not necessarily the price. It's the domino effect. The first thing you got to figure out is, are you going to upgrade from Harrison Barnes? If you want to upgrade from HB, then you're likely going to pay somebody 18 to 20 million, which means if you're going to replace Harrison Barnes with somebody he's going to make 18 to 20 million, now you are utilizing your full mid-level exception to bring in Vizankov. So your two major pieces going to be Vizankov and HB. And how much does that make you better at the end of the day? Does that make you a contender? Does that make you a favorite to possibly get to the Western Conference Finals? I don't think it does. I think you need more. So it's really what the plan is going to be in the big picture because you want to add a couple of other players. 
if you want to re-sign Trey Lyles, for example, you're gonna you're gonna re-sign Trey Lyles, and then you're gonna try to replace Harrison Barnes. You only have so much money to mess around with. So, you know, paying Vizenkov ten million, it's interesting because there is a way. There is a way to, I think, justify it. There's a way to fit Vizenkov in without using the mid level. Because if you bring back HB and HB is willing to say, I'll play for, you know, 15, 16 million, now you shave off a couple of million and you could do some other things like stretch a Rashawn Holmes and you could actually sign Vizenkov to the contract without using the MLE. And if you don't use your mid level, then you have HB coming back on less money, you bring Vizenkov in, and then you have that 11, 12 million from the mid level to go out and get pieces. I if think- you could do that, then it's better for me to kind of absorb that money. But if you're going to use your entire MLE on Vizenkov, I don't think you're going to address enough needs. What, and I think one other thing that you have to factor into this decision-making, Nick, is something that Whitey brought up to me when he was filling in for you a couple of weeks ago, which is, and especially now with the new price tag, could he be more valuable to you on the trade market than he is to you at the price tag of 10, million, of 10 to $12 million? You know what I mean? If you could get something for Vizenkov, and you can probably sell higher on him than you bought, given the season that he just had in the EuroLeague, winning the MVP, averaging almost 18 points a game, taking his team to the championship, being the best player in that championship game. His stock has probably gone up a little bit in the past year since you've traded for him. And could he be worth more to you in a trade than he would be to you on the court at the price of $10 million? I think that that's another question you got to ask in this whole thing. Would you be in on Sasha Vizankov if it cost you $10 million per season? Would you be good with that deal? Your thoughts, 916-339-1140 is the text line. The phone number is 1-800-920-1140. Phone lines are open for you. Also, you can catch us on YouTube, youtube.com, Sacktown Sports 1140. And don't forget to get all of your info on the Kings at sacktownsports.com. We'll get to your reaction on Sasha Vizankov, whether you would be in or out for $10 million. Also... Is the A's deal in Vegas falling apart? The latest at night. Cattles and Robbie. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sports. <laughs> Not a good couple of days there for John Fisher. We'll get to that in a few. But first, we want to get to your reaction on Sasha Vizankov. The podcast overseas, the Urbonus podcast, uh, talked about Vizankov and I don't want to say contract demands, but... Uh, his contract wishes, maybe is a better way to put it. Uh, he wants to make five, six million net from moving uh, to Sacramento to play for the Kings, which means he's looking for about a ten million dollar deal, and that's per year. And the question to all of you is: Would you be okay with the Kings giving Vizankov ten million dollars per season for his services? Now. I would not be if that means you got to use the entire mid-level exception or the most of it because I, I think you need to add more pieces. Let's get to some of that uh, reaction. YouTube.com, Sacktown Sports 1140. Give us that thumbs up. Always appreciate the likes. Nate Kyle says yes, he would give Zenkoff that money, more potential. So Nate Kyle is a thumbs up. Beeman, I think it's worth finding out what we have. If he doesn't work out, then we move on and spend next year in a better free agent class. Well, it depends. Mike, check. check. That money will be tied up. Yeah. If if you're signing a two- or three-year deal, then that means you got to move off of that money, which, you know, 
isn't necessarily tough. It's not like he's going to be making thirty million a year, but uh, you know, it's it's money you'd have to figure out. Roger Massey says, "I hope Sasha signs with the Kings. He's a great shooter, so he'd be for it." Roy Seeley says, "It's crazy. It's crazy cattles for an unknown." Here's what I'll say. I, I don't want to overplay the unknown stuff because the Kings have evaluated this guy. They've scouted him. They've watched film. They've been over there. They've talked to him. This isn't like a complete, you know, blind signing where the dude randomly like a movie just pops up at a gym at a YMCA and he plays out of his mind and, and they sign him immediately. Like they, they've done, uh, trust me, Monty and company have done a lot of homework on this guy. They're not walking into this blindly. But I get I get the point of you don't you know, know until you know. Yeah, I think is what people are saying. Yeah, not everybody transitions to the NBA well, right? Same I mean, as any rookie, really. Yes. I mean there there are there are guys that went one two three four five that were busts. Markel Markel Fultz never did much of anything in this league after going number one in the draft. So it's one of those things where yes, they've done their due diligence, but you don't know until you know. I think is right. what I and others are saying. Yes. in terms of the unknown commodity. Uh, Scooter916, sorry, can someone explain the mid-level to me? Okay, I'm going to do this as painfully, as painlessly, not painfully, as painlessly as possible. Um, So the mid-level exception is a chunk of money that is given to teams, teams can use it, to sign free agents. And it all depends on how much money that you've already spent. There's three types of mid-level exceptions. And so... There's a, a tax mid-level, and this is all going to change, by the way, next year, so just wipe this off your memory bank for next year because the new CBA is changing a bunch of stuff. But right now, if you're a tax team scooter, that means you know you can sign somebody for like 6 or $7 million. If you're not a tax team, it, you could use the full mid-level, which is like $11, 12000000 million. And then there's another mid-level, I think, that you can use as well. There's also a biannual, but that's just too much. So it's just it, it's this mechanism that you can utilize. It's capped off at a certain number, and it's dependent on how much money you've already spent on your roster. So right now the Kings are in that spot that they could use the full mid-level because they're not a tax team. A tax team's like the Warriors, the Celtics, the Clippers, teams that have spent, have spent a bunch of money. The Lakers, those are tax teams. So that's what it is. As as quickly as I could try to uh, explain it to you. All right, let's uh, shift gears here for a couple minutes. Let's look at this A's deal because uh, things aren't going well, Rami. The Nevada State Legislature did not vote on the A's stadium last night. And as a matter of fact, they've pretty much come out today and said that they don't have plans of really looking at this thing anytime soon now, that, that, that it might not happen. Uh, they might not even vote on this. So it's, this is obviously not what uh, John Fisher was hoping for. And uh, Arash Markazi tweeted that a, a veteran legislative insider told the Sporting Tribune's Norm Clark that the stadium in Vegas has a 50-50 chance of happening now. <laughs> Quote, it doesn't seem to be a priority, unquote. Casey Pratt from ABC7 News Bay Area was with uh, Dave and Jason this morning, and here's what he had to say about it. I don't put anything by Las Vegas and Nevada because they're so quick and so eager sometimes and so able to get to yes that uh, I think people out here in California even envy them. Um, So I'm not going to say it's over. It's dead. I think as we know it, Mm -hmm. sure, it could be dead. Um, 
But I don't think that this is the end for Las Vegas by any means. What I actually think they should do is look at this very closely and see how willing Las Vegas and Nevada were to make something happen and to push through a deal, even with all the bungling on the A's part for Major League Baseball and say, that is a market we want expansion in. So Casey says this thing's not dead just yet. I don't know if it's going to have an Undertaker gif where he pops up out of the coffin. (laughs) I don't know if that's what's going to happen here. But look, here, here are some things I'm thinking of, Rami. Does Fisher budge? It doesn't seem like he's going to. If this thing gets shot down, is Fisher going to budge and go back and say, well, uh, now all I want is $150 million public funding? It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like he has drawn the line in the sand, and he wants as much money as he can possibly get. Don't forget, wasn't it, J.J., he wanted $500 million originally, mm-hmm. and he dropped that down to three eighty. I don't think uh, Fisher's going to drop down much further from the three eighty he's asking for. Well, good luck in getting that. I and, love this, and, by the and way. And I don't know. I love don't, it. What incentive does Vegas have to give public money zero point zero to the to the to the A's and to John Fisher to what attract tourists because they aren't getting enough of those to Las Vegas already? They are not. They're not an added draw, especially not the product that that Fisher puts out there. And how can you trust this guy to put? a good product out on the field or to just to just conduct business and negotiations ethically given the way that he's handled things in Oakland. Why would you want to get in bed or do business with a John Fisher? And yeah, Nick, I don't I don't think he's moving off that price, but the clock is ticking. And yeah. and this note from uh, MLB Trade Rumors dot com and we had a guest, I'm I'm spacing on their name right now who brought up this same point last week or a couple weeks ago when you were out, uh, Nick. You said it is possible that the A's won't even get to that full share unless they make significant process progress on their long-desired new ballpark. As per the terms of the CBA, if the A's don't have a, quote, binding deal for a new ballpark in place by January 15th, they will no longer receive any revenue-sharing funds. I love that, this. That's that's the date that you got to run this thing to to get John Fisher out because that's when the A's become bad business for John Fisher. Which begs the question. And he starts looking at selling. Which begs the question: Does Major League Baseball now get involved? I know that's they when they get involved, to, right? That's when they get involved. They haven't wanted to up to this point. They've they've been as you know they've been as complicit as Fisher's been with this whole mm-hmm. situation, which is just a joke. Manfred's clueless, clueless. But you know if. This thing gets shot down, and there's there's no avenue, there's no path in Vegas in anytime soon. Does Manfred then wake up and peel his ass off the couch and say, "Okay, we're going to have to do something with this John Fisher A's thing"? I hope so. I but it's just hope. That's all. That's all you 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 can't be optimistic. You can't be confident about Major League Baseball. They can't find their ass with two hands and a flashlight. They just they have no idea what they're doing. So if if that's you know if if we're hoping if we're if we're banking on you know Manfred, good luck, good luck banking on that guy. We need this thing to go to the twelfth round, which is January fifteenth. And if it goes to a decision, if it goes to the cards after that, John Fisher probably loses, and he's on his way out. Oh, it'd be a beautiful thing. January fifteenth. Thank you. Would Oakland even want the A's back? Uh, they've said they would. According to Mayor, yeah, she's yeah. supposed to be having a, a would you JJ as an A's fan? Would you, as an A's fan, JJ? Yes. Okay. With, but with the caveat, remember it. Fisher with gone. No John Fisher. Yeah, of course. I mean, you can't keep delaying this, like Rami said. You, you can't. At some point, you got to poop or get off the pot. Clock is ticking. 
Got him. Got him. It's got six months. By the way, I want to remind you that uh, all guests come to you from the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda is your one-stop Honda shop. Coming up next, a former NBA All-Star voices his desire to come to Sacramento. Cattles and Rock. So I was just informed that we have uh, Nikki Glaser tickets to give away, so we'll do that in a little while. All right. It is uh, pretty interesting that we're giving away Nikki Glaser tickets. Why is that? In- I mean, it is interesting because she's a good comedian. Given her act. Why is it particularly interesting? And some of the standards that oh. uh, you yes. and I have to stand by. That's fair. We have to be very uh, conscious of uh, some of the things we say on I mean, the show. Weren't we giving away Kid Rock tickets on a, on a different show? There you show? go. There you go. See, now why'd you do that? What? Because Nikki's not political. He's, he's controversial. Yeah, but I'm not. No, he's controversial outside yes, of politics. Well, he's a cowboy, baby. Remember? Oh, my Frankie? Is that, is, that a, <laughs> is that how he said it? It'd be hilarious if that's how he actually sang the song. Cowboy, baby. Ba with the ba the ba the bang bang diggy 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 dong 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 diggy. Drop. Gotta get it. It'll happen. Remix it with the red hot chili peppers, and we got something really special. <laughs> Uh, so but I got to get to keep it to the papa. But the papa got a bitty body papa. So two things about that. I've said this before, but me trying to get back into something. <laughs> yes. And also Simone behind you faintly trying to also <laughs> bitty bop 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 whatever the hell you're doing there. Trying to double up the yeah. vocals. Yeah. If you could listen to it very very intently in the background. <laughs> We could do it one more time, JJ. If we if we could just try to hear Simone in the background faintly trying to support you. What I got to get to give it to the papa, but the father got a bitty body papa. So bad. She gave up quick. She gave up quick. I've never heard me behind it so bad. Oh no. Both of you just couldn't uh, let me have the spotlight for a second. You know what I mean? Just one second. Oh yeah, I I never do an Anthony Kiedis. I I never allow you to go off the rails. I that's never happened before. It's happened a handful of times today. All right, uh, let's let's get to a former All Star, Rami, who uh, says he's interested in playing for the Sacramento Kings. We've talked about the Kings needing a backup big pretty much all year last mm-hmm. season. Now we're into the offseason. We still feel that way. Uh, and what I would like to see from that backup big is somebody who could defend, somebody who could rebound, somebody who brings at least a modicum of athleticism, somebody who can set some screens. Is Dwight Howard that somebody? Because Dwight Howard spoke with Mark Haynes of the SAC Observer recently, and he said, quote, I'm not retired from the NBA just yet. I would love to help the Kings contend for a title. Hmm. DH12, Rami, in or out? No, I think I'm out. <laughs> isn't, this dude, isn't this dude playing I for couldn't talk either the, that, huh? the uh, Guangzhong Tigers or something? He's left some, somebody somewhere. No, Taiwan, man. yes. And, and, and Nick, we, we were talking all last year about the fact that they needed a backup big and all, all the stuff that you just laid out. And when we were talking about Sasha Vizankov, you said, well, I'm sure they've done their due diligence. When people call him an unknown, I'm sure they've done their due diligence and they know what they're getting in this guy. I'm sure they checked in on Dwight Howard in their desperation for a backup big last year who could do who could do some of the dirty work, get some rebounds for you, play some defense, set some picks. I'm sure that thought, that name crossed the desk of Monty McNair and, and the powers that be 
at the Golden One Center, and and they didn't see much use for it. And, and quite frankly, neither did anybody else in the NBA. If Dwight Howard was still an NBA caliber player who could help a team win a championship, he'd be on a roster right now. People, this isn't some unknown. People know what they have or don't have in Dwight Howard at this point. And 30 teams have decided it's not going to help. We're out on the Dwight Howard business. Wait, d- didn't didn't we have people saying this to you about DeMarcus Cousins last year and you were all in on Cousins? Yes, I did. But that's because it seemed like with Cousins, it wasn't so much basketball related that people didn't want him. And my point there was people change. Organizations change. This was a chaotic, uh, some might say, trash can of an organization back when things fell apart with uh, DeMarcus Cousins and the Kings, and there was probably blame to go around. Yes. DeMarcus Cousins has grown since. The Kings are a better organization since. And so maybe there was some way that you could reunite and it could work better this time. With Dwight Howard, I think it's just the simple fact that he's he's beyond he's he's beyond his basketball playing days, according to the entire NBA. You know, last year I would have given it a shot, but I agree with you. You know, the fact that he went unsigned for the entire year uh, tells us something. I don't know if it tells us something about him on the floor, off the floor, or both. But uh, he, you know, he he didn't have a job this season. And usually, look, the NBA is in the business of finding players, folks. They're in the business of, of trying to help their teams and help their rosters. And if the entire NBA universally said thanks but no thanks to Dwight Howard, that should tell us something, as Rami said. Also, look at the free agent crop this year. You've got options. Mason Plumley, Mo Bamba, Thomas Bryant, Nas Reed. Just four names. That would be much, much mm-hmm. better. You have better Howard. options out there. He's 38 years old. He's going to be 38 in December. And, you know, we, we've talked about the culture before about this team and the coaching staff and how they've handled some things. And I will say that, you know, Dwight has not always vibed with his team. Hasn't always been the guy that is, you know, cool and just letting things happen. So I, I would I would say no to Dwight Howard. I, I think you can find other uh, other names, other players that would chip in at a higher level than Dwight. It's crazy how that changed, though, because remember Dwight Howard was like everybody's favorite goofball in the NBA. Yeah, remember yeah. he put on the Superman cape and yep. dunked two basketballs at the slam dunk contest. And then the whole Stan Van Gundy thing and and his divorce with the Orlando Magic just completely changed people's perception and the image of Dwight Howard. And he never really recovered from that, man. He kind of became a punchline after that for a lot of people. He was still productive for a while, but... I think I think if he still was productive, Nick, that non-basketball stuff, it's not to the degree where it was with the Boogie Cousins where that alone could keep him out of the league. I think this is performance-based. All right, let's give away some tickets. Nicky Glazer, going to hook you up with some tickets to go see Nicky Glazer at the Hard Rock Live. This is happening October 14th. Folsom Lake Honda Hotline is where you can get these tickets, okay? Call number 7 to the hotline. 1-800-920-1140, 1-800-920-1140. Call the number 7 to the hotline. Wins a pair of tickets to go see Nikki Glazer at Hard Rock. And this is happening on October 14th. October 14th, you could uh, laugh with Nikki on our Good Girl Comedy Tour. Rami's a big fan. I am. Sacktown Sports hooking you up. 
Again, call in number 7 to 1-800-920-1140. 1-800-920-1140 gets those tickets. Congratulations to caller number 7. They said what's coming up. You never know what you're going to get with an open mic. It's the good, bad, ugly, and funny from this past week in sports. They said what? On Cattles and Rami. All righty. They said what on this Tuesday? A good Tuesday to all of you. Hopefully you are uh, staying safe on the roads. Some rain happening out there. Be safe. See people uh, chatting in the YouTube chat about how they don't enjoy the rain when they drive. YouTube.com. I can tell by the way y'all drive (laughs) when I'm out on those roads. YouTube.com. Sacktown Sports 1140. If you want to leave a comment. It's just water. Tell Rami how much you hate him. Uh, you can also give us a like. I hate you. We always appreciate those likes. It's literally just water, folks. All right, let's start with Mark Goldbridge. And no, I don't know who this is. But uh, he was mocking Man City over the weekend during, uh, you know, the match that led Chris Rallad to be in hysterics early on a Saturday morning. And you, Man City, big rival. I guess. So, uh... Mark Goldbridge was doing like a stream, and he's he's mocking Man City, and then uh, Karma got him. Go City! Come on, lads. Let's do it. Let's do it for Sean Gota. Let's do it for the lads. One, two, three. Everybody go. Go City! Let's do it. Come on. Let's do it for our history. We need to win this. Looking forward to Mount, says Aaron. Right, I'm about ready to start the clock here. Gundogan kicks the game off, and we're ready to go. <sighs> Look, Man City have gone long ball already there. Flicked into Haaland. Oh, my God. What the f*** are you doing? You can't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. What did I say before the game? Pick up the f***ing runners. 15 seconds in. 15 seconds. Pick up the runners, I said. Pick up the runners. Gundogan has got a bloody volley on the edge of the box, unmarked. F***ing useless pricks. What a waste of time. You've just... It. You absolute <laughs> kids. Who? Are, oh, I just, I can't, I can't speak about this. Was, absolute twats. Where's well, the midfield? <laughs> Where's bloody Ericsson? It's Ericsson. It's bloody Ericsson again. I mean, you just, you just spoke about it. Oh man, so, that, Mark, that was in real time. Yeah, that was that wasn't. We didn't like jump forward. No, in, in, in editing with editing magic, that was in real time. How zero, quickly, zero to one hundred and fifty. How quickly he went from mocking them to being to 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 being the victim <laughs> to be to being on the wrong end of the mocking. So uh, Mark Goldbridge <laughs> is a uh, he has a YouTube channel. Still like six hundred forty thousand followers. Good for him. Not a voice for the fans, just a fan. He's a presenter for the uh, United Stand, which is a Manchester United fan channel. <laughs> and uh, that was awesome. That was amazing. I mean, he just lost his mind. It's good to know that no matter the language, no matter the uh, the accent, that we're all kind of... That could have easily been me at the start of, you know, a Bears game, watching the opposing team take a kickoff back <laughs> for the touchdown. Yeah. Like me making fun of the Lions, yeah. you know, and, and how awful they are, and, the, and then the opening kickoff, the Lions are going back for a touchdown. Same feel. That could have easily been me. Absolutely, 100%, minus the accent. I mean, it was it was just an incredible 180. We're more alike than we think, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Let that bring us together. 
Apparently, he was yelling about the runners before the match, and they did not heed his advice. Pick up the runners! Pick up the runners! Pick up the runners! I told you before the game, pick up the runners! He was not happy about the runners. At all. I don't know what runners are, but whoever they are, he was not thrilled. He knew. He knew you should have picked up the runners. You know what? You know what I truly appreciate about these conversations you and I have about soccer? What's that? It's how crazy they probably drive Chris Verlot. <laughs> Verlot's sitting there going, you guys. <laughs> so ignorant. <laughs> ignorant. I, I do. I, I, I would Pick love. Pick up the runners. I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. See, I would love to go watch like a big match with With Chris. Verlot? You should have. And He's got two weeks off. Plenty it's of time. too early, though, Nick. It'd exactly. That's what I was going to say. These 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 matches are like, the latest are like Dude, 9 o'clock in I the have, morning. I have a friend. He gets uh, up and watches these things at like 6.30. I have a friend uh, back in Milwaukee, a stand-up comedian, who's a big F1 fan. Yeah. And same thing. Like a lot, they're on, they're, a lot of their, their events are happening on, on European time. 4.30 a.m. And he'd literally yeah. be going around from like person to person at open mics and be like, hey, you want to... You want to watch the F1 race with me tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. and no. have some beers? <laughs> Literally everyone was like, no, dude. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I mean, I don't even know if I could physically do that. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like. No. Oof. <laughs> I mean, emphatic I, I, no. I tried the, uh, you know, look, when, when on the East Coast, when they have the London games and all of that on Sunday, the NFL game. You know, I've I've tried, I've attempted once or twice to get up and have, you know, a mimosa and then, you know, crack open one eventually by like the end of the first quarter or mm-hmm. second quarter. It's, it's tough work, man, I remember my when, advanced uh, age. When baseball first started doing like the international games, I think the Cubs, I think it was the Cubs and the Mariners, They were and they were the first. They were doing a series in Japan to open the season and it was like a 3 a.m. first pitch or something. I was like, oh, that's going to be cool. I'm going to wake up, I'm going to make some pancakes, and I'm going to watch some baseball in the middle of the night. And uh, I woke up, I made pancakes, and then I woke up in the fourth inning, and there was a plate of untouched pancakes sitting on my coffee table. (laughs) That's how how long that lasted. I'm not getting up that early. You narcoleptic, you just... It was 3 a.m. It was 3 a.m. I'm surprised I, I got to the point of making the pancakes, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm mean, it, it's also we're America. Everybody should run on our time. You America. tell them, Rami. You tell them, buddy. <laughs> Set them straight. All right, it moving be one on. One time zone. It should be America. Bill Walton is uh, he's a trip, a national treasure amongst if you himself. Will. Yes, sir. And he was on the Pat McAfee show recently, and here he was uh, making some comparisons. Nicole Jokic. Nobody has been able to take the control of the flow of the game away from Nikola Jokic, who is such a remarkable player in every way. Well, he's shooting like this, Bill. He's shooting like this. One foot over his head. Splash. Splash. He is... He's a combination shooting-wise of Jack Sigma, of Dirk Nowitzki, of Patrick Ewing, and uh, he's just a remarkable mind-dominant player. Breaking out the Jack Sigma, blowing Pat McAfee's mind with the. Uh, do, you, do you think McAfee has done much uh, studying on Jack Sigma? <laughs> Probably not. And his impact on the NBA? Probably not. No. 
I don't think that. But that hey, he's making seventeen million a year. So didn't he compare him to the Arkansas or compare their offense to the Arkansas River later? In yeah, that, yeah. At the end, it was just too long, Rami. Okay. We would still be here listening. No, I'm just saying, like that's the Arkansas that's, River, my friend. That's how far that thing went with Bill Walton, which is just started fine with Jack with, Sigma yes, and ended with the Arkansas River. Love All Bill Walton, man. Love, Love that dude. Bill I can. I could sit and listen to Bill Walton talk about anything. Shout out to Dave Pash, because uh, over the last year, I somewhat have felt Dave Pash's pain with somebody you work with all the time that might trail off into who knows what. Yes, Simone. Dave Pash, is, he does an incredible <laughs> job of, of sticking with that. Uh, Max Scherzer. He's a habitual line stepper. So he is. Max Scherzer, uh, he's apparently, he, you know, a lot of people love the pitch clock. A lot of people are coming around to the pitch clock. Uh, Scherzer's not one of them. I only had, you know, you, you're supposed to get eight warm-up pitches, and I had seven, and I asked for, can I get the eighth pitch? You know, can I do my normal routine warm-up? And he's telling me it's a clock, it's a clock. And, you know, that's what's so frustrating is that, look, I'm doing my normal routine. Why, why do we need to step through the game and have the umpires, you know, change, change routines when it's not my fault of what's going on here? You know, like, that that's you know I'm you know I'm talking to Trip and he you know he's sitting there saying like it's not I, I can't do anything about it because if I let you throw the pitch, then you know MLB gets mad at him and so this goes back to you know why do we need a pitch clock for that situation you know I, I, if I throw one more pitch what I'm one second slower, like why can't the umpire have discretion in that situation to allow a pitcher to throw his eight normal warm up pitches? Why do we have to be so anal about this to have the clock up? everybody's face, shoving everybody's face and try to stop out every little single second. Not thrilled. No, and I, I get it. I get where he's coming from. And anytime, I mean, baseball hasn't been changed in how long, Nick? And Max Scherzer has been around for how long? You know what I mean? Anytime you have changes this drastic, there are going to be growing pains. There are going to be gripes with it. And there will be tweaks. You know what I mean? But I think... Oh, and Max Scherzer makes some great points. I'm not saying he's wrong about anything that, that he said, but at the same time, I think overall the pitch clock has been an overwhelming success. I don't give Rob Manfred credit for much, and I don't know how much he necessarily had to do with that, how not much of much. that was Theo Epstein, but ultimately Manfred and the owners had to sign off on it. And you know what? It's one of the few things Major League Baseball has gotten right in recent memory. Yeah, the pitch clock has been fantastic. I'm a fan. I watched a baseball game last night, Cubs and Padres, in about two hours and 22 minutes. So there you have it. They said what for this week? Goldbridge is my favorite. That that might be my favorite sound from they said what? Pick up the runners! That we've ever had. It's, it's easily top three. Highly entertaining. All right, we'll have the stop story coming up next. Cattles and Robbie. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sports.